This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Do you drive a vehicle? Then you'll find AutoCorrect helpful, especially on Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. Listen to our podcast with me, Coach Charlie Melton, on any podcasting platform or on the MPB Public Media app. Okie dokie folks, welcome back Horticulture's fell to rushing And for the next hour We're just going to talk about gardening It is hot, it's rainy It's a lot of places When it's not raining, the sun comes out And it makes everything just steam I mean, it's bad enough you know, when you do have to water and you stand there with a hose in your hand and you have sweat dripping off your elbows because it won't evaporate. So anyway, that's just our lot. Our friends up in Minnesota have undulating mounds of snow in the winter. We have mosquitoes and cicadas and heat and humidity, but we'll muddle up through it sometime. And this is the time to talk about it. So this program, by the way, is rebroadcast on Saturdays at 10. And you can also download the podcast, which is uh, it's one of the top podcasts for MPB. And uh, it's just about chatting about gardening. Uh, sometimes this is much about the people and the personalities as it, as it is the processes that we all struggle with. So if you've got some things on your mind, it's a good chance to run them by somebody who, first of all, cares. Second of all, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me what you do or don't do. It, it, it doesn't matter. It's not that I don't care. I don't. It just doesn't matter. So whether you like to prune your crepe myrtles or not, whether you want to have a lot of lawn, yard of the month, or just mow what grows type of wildflower-type lawn, whether you want to try to fill your freezer with vegetables or just grow some basil and oregano on your patio, it does not matter. Uh, whatever it is that's on your guardian mind, give us a call. We'll talk about it. And uh, we'll talk about it as gently as possible, although sometimes I do have opinions. I'm not only a trained horticulture scientist, uh, retired from Mississippi State Extension Service, but I'm also a real gardener and not a good gardener because it ain't what you know. It's what you do that counts. So a lot of stuff going on right now. I'm seeing a lot of concerns with folks uh, uh, who post on Mississippi Gardening Facebook. A lot of people want to help each other out. So uh, this is a good chance, like I said, I won't try to sell you anything. Just give us a call and let's talk about it. Uh, and there are quite a few things that, that you can be doing this time of year. It's hot, it's humid, it's rainy, and all that, and the mosquitoes are fearsome. But this is the month to plant for fall. I, I, I don't mean lettuce and beets and carrots and cabbage and collards. I'm talking about tomatoes and peppers, squash. You can still plant summer stuff this month up until the first week or so in August in Mississippi and still get a decent harvest before fall. Matter of fact, if you can overcome the fact that plants got to be mulched to keep their roots cool and watered occasionally to keep them from just shriveling up, uh, and if you can control the insects that tend to be a little bit harder on plants in the summertime, you can actually produce more peppers and tomatoes with things set out this month than you can trying to keep those alive that were planted back in the spring when it was real cool and wet. I've done it many times. Peppers and tomatoes set out in July, mulched, not watered too much, but give it a good soaking every now and then, 
will grow better in the heat of July and August, early September, and they will produce incredibly well in the cooler, shorter days of September, October, November, early December. You can have a better harvest with new plants set out this month than you can trying to keep stuff alive all summer long. That's just the way it is. Uh, Java, i got to ask you this. Uh, who mows the grass at your yard? Um, when I have time, I do, <laughs> but actually my, uh, my, my, my father, he will come over randomly. He recognizes that I'm a busy guy and, um, if it gets too far gone, he will just pop up. And I was like, wow, he must've came over because the grass smoke <laughs> in, yeah, full, in full transparency. <laughs> I, I, you know, and on one hand, uh, he, all of us know that it's better to do stuff early in the day before it gets too hot. But on the other hand, the the humidity is so thick, there's so much dew out there that it will burn your mower up trying to mow wet grass. So it's, uh, you know, what do you do? And by the way, you got brothers and sisters? Yeah, I have one sister, um, one younger sister. Yes, sir. Okay, so does your dad do stuff for her too, or does he know that you're the one who's going to decide what happens to him when he gets too old? And you gotta be—he's he, he's, got to be nice to you, Java. Well, I think with all of the um, talks of wheels and estates in 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 the news these days, um, I think he knows where his bread is buttered. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'll slide over and mow the boy's yard. Yeah, he always he always just pops up and does things like that. But he is strategic too because between all of the rain that we've been having, um, you do have to uh-huh. kind of plot out wind without with the rain and the heat. You don't want to burn yourself up, or you don't want to, like you say, tear up your mower because your grass is so wet. And so you have to plot yeah. and plan these things. Yeah, a lot of people. You know, when I was a kid, I think I mentioned last week I had a bunch of part time jobs when I was in high school and I was younger from uh, driving a snow cone truck and. You know, all that kind of stuff. But I, I had to mow our yard and my great-grandmother's yard and my grandmother's yard. And a, for a few extra bucks here, and there, you know, a dollar fifty or two bucks, I would mow somebody else's yard. And I just hated it. I just hated it. I like being able to look over my shoulder and see something constructive that I actually completed. So sort of like making up your bed. Nobody, you don't need to make up your bed, but it makes you feel better because you've done something. Uh, but I found out real quick that if the grass is wet, it's harder to mow and it clumps up. Uh, so and little, little things. And then when I started to study turf management in Mississippi State, uh, which, by the way, Java, my dad got a belly laugh. He said, you're studying mowing the grass at the university. And I said, well, that was more complicated than that. But anyway, turf management, where we learned all the nuances and why and all that stuff. A lot of people don't realize that a grass plant and our lawn is made up of thousands and thousands of individual plants. A grass plant only lives for two and a half or three weeks. That's it, from when it starts to when it's done. Meanwhile, it puts out new runners with new grass plants. So what we're doing when we're taking care of our lawns, it's not a reactive thing. We're not trying to keep our grass looking and growing a certain way. We're trying to encourage it to replace itself. And so if you go... A couple of three weeks, if you mow it too close or if you don't ever fertilize, you never water, the grass weakens and it doesn't replace itself. And a month later, you have problems. So that's what we're doing now. We're trying to keep the grass healthy, reproducing itself. And one of the most important things we can do this time of year, sounds really weird, counterintuitive, is to mow high. Set your mower higher in the summer because there's less stress on the grass and it can replace itself better. So most people want to cut closer actually mow a little bit higher. 
So uh, anyway, um, I can talk about that till people's eyes believe a stupid detail. Let's go up to Oxford, though, and talk with Eric. Eric, how are you doing this morning? I'm fine. How are you, sir? So far, so good. Uh, what I've got is uh, I live out in the country and uh, tons of trees, but I've got these two trees in the front yard. One's a water oak and one's just a regular oak. They've got these gigantic, like a halo all the way around them of a yellow strip in a circle around each tree, about two oh. feet wide. Uh, yeah. Any idea? It has been fertilized. Has not been fertilized. Uh, uh, lined in the fall and then fertilized in the spring. Yeah. Uh, a couple of things. This is just a pure educated guess, okay? There's a fungus that grows in a circle. It grows like, you know, you know when you throw a, a rock in a pond, it makes a ripple that m- grows outward from where yeah. you, you know how ripples go out. There's a fungus that grows just like that. It's called fairy ring. It's only a foot, foot and a half, two feet wide. And as it grows, the grass, in, it, it, it takes away nutrients severely from the grass. And so on the outer edge of it, the leading edge, the grass turns yellow. It can actually die. But meanwhile, it keeps growing a foot or two or three a year, and the grass can grow back on the inside of it and follow the ring on off the, the lawn. Uh, in other words, it's just a temporary thing. It's like a ripple on a pond. Uh, and that's pretty common, and it's real distinctive because it has a, a curve to it, a circle, and it's this time of year. It's not like brown patch okay. in the springtime. So, you know, that's a, the, the most likely thing to have a, a circle or a ring of dead grass, foot and a half, to, is fairy ring. There's no treatment for it. Uh, we used to say, well, dig it up. All that does is break it up into a bunch of fairy rings. And, uh, and oddly it's, enough, one of, the, one of the largest organisms on Earth is a fairy ring. But anyway, uh, just keep an eye on it. There's nothing I would recommend you do, no aerating or anything. And maybe put a marker out there and see if next year if it has moved another foot or two. If it has, it's just a fairy ring. And you can grow grass back okay, on so, the side of it. So it could be 60, 70 feet in diameter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, easy. Okay. But, you know, and I think not, you're dead that's on because that's what it's done this year. It's gotten bigger. It's gone out further from the tree. But but only a couple of three feet, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sounds like fairy ring. So, sometimes in the right weather condition, have you ever seen like a circle or a curve of white mushrooms out in somebody's yard? Oh, yeah, I got them. We'll see. We'll see. That that's 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 why they call it fairy ring because under the white right weather condition, this fungus pushes up these white toadstools in a circle, and the people say, "Yeah, the fairies had a party last night." That's where it gets its name from. So if you've seen those curves of white mushrooms, fairy ring, ignore it. Push in some flamingos out there, and every year move them out a little bit further. All right. Thanks, man. Okay. Good luck, on it. Appreciate your call. Well, this is a case where I made an educated guess, and I was right on. I appreciate that. I always like that. So let's slide all the way down the Gulf Coast and talk with John and Mobile. Hey, John, good morning. Good morning, Felder. Uh, A year or so ago, uh, I had spoken with you about grafting uh, mature, fruit-bearing trees. Right. And you gave me some good information, and unfortunately, uh, one of the trees I was going to use for grafting Lit in half, but anyway, I've got three oh, new okay. ones in this year that planted earlier uh, this year, and uh, the, yeah, they've flowered, but they still have new growth coming out. 
Can I uh-huh. graft onto that new roof? Uh, yeah, but you know, grafting is is hard to do this time of year. I don't know anybody who does it, but uh, you know, the idea is you want to graft on on fairly mature newish growth. I mean, you, this is called top working. You know, you can graft on the old trees. You just cut them off into to cut six inches across and graft all the way around if you want to. But the problem is it's hard to, to get grafting done this time of year because you have to work so fast between when that cutting dries out and has a chance to, 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 to heal together with the, with the new stuff. Anyway, you can give it a try. But uh, most grafting okay. is done in, in the spring after you collect your grafting wood in the winter and keep it in the refrigerator make it stay dormant. Okay. Well, I, I'll bypass but, until the spring. Yeah, find the stuff that you want to graft uh, this year, and sometime in the dead of winter, make your cuttings, your graft wood. They call it cyan wood. starts with SC. Then take your cyan wood, oh, a foot or so long, and then put them in a plastic bag and stick them in the refrigerator. That way they'll think it's winter until you get ready to graft. Then after your trees leaf out in the spring, let's say April or so, then you pull them out of the refrigerator and graft them then. That's the way most okay. people have to do it. All right. I'll give that a try. appreciate it. All right. appreciate your call. And, the folks, All anybody right. else have a question? Okay. Appreciate it, John. Thanks. We're going to take a quick break and come back in a job. I've got a answer to question nobody asks. So if you want to set that up, I think it's uh, perfect for this time of year. Well, it's, it's, it's a good idea for this time of year. Anyway, if there's some things you want to talk about, whether it's lawn care, vegetables, or fruit trees, potted plants, insect diseases, give me a call. If I don't know, I guarantee you, if somebody doesn't help us both out, I will find out. And uh, before we go to our next phone call, Java, no, I tell you what, let's, let's, go, let's talk with Bill in Neshoba County first. I want to see what Bill's up to. Hey, Bill, what's up, man? Uh, a lot of rain. Uh, yeah. Keeping me out of the garden. But I have a question about my gourd plant. I have a, um, what is it, bird nest gourd? And yeah, big one, yeah. Yeah, it looks like it's about as big as it's going to get. Should I just leave it on the uh, vine and let it turn brown, or can I cut it off and let it dry up someplace else? Uh, that's that's a good question, and you could go either way, but you need to make sure that it is completely mature before you cut it off. And uh, if you'll take your thumbnail and just sort of lightly mash into it, if it dents easily, if it cuts into it, it ain't ready. Uh, so so make sure the shell is really, really hard. And if you go in and cut them off ahead of time, cut them with, uh, you know how it's attached to the vine with a little short stem? Cut it with some of that stem still attached. And then put it in a place that's out of the sun and out of the rain, maybe under a carport or something like that, so it can, can dry and cure outside naturally, but not in the rain. If you want to leave it on the vine, it's perfectly okay to do that. You can actually leave them out, uh, you know, all the, they'll completely mature uh, and turn hard and brown and everything on the vine. So main thing is make sure it's, it's really firm before we cut off the little piece of stem and then put it in a place where it can cure out of the weather. Okay. Thank you. That's, I can do that. All righty. Good luck on it. Appreciate it. I think gourds are so cool. Java, I used to have a, a bumper sticker. <laughs> I got this. I was at a, believe it or not, the, a meeting of the American Gourd Society. Yeah. 
is an American Gourd Society. We even have chapter in Mississippi. But I had a bumper sticker that they had taken from one of the first lines in their manual on growing gourds, you know, how to grow gourds, different varieties. But in the section on how to how to display gourds, to, like in a flower show or a gourd show, the first line is gourds must predominate. So I had a bumper sticker that said gourds must predominate, and nobody had any idea that it was not really a joke. <laughs> that it was, it was a real thing. <laughs> yeah, gourds must predominate. Hey, anyway, I, I, I got an answer for a question. You ready for this? And now it's time for Felder Rushing's answers to questions no one has asked. <laughs> there you go. You know, this is a... Uh, this is a, uh, kind of an oddball thing that uh, my my dad used to have. Well, let me let me back. My grandmother had a garden swing, and it was one of those lightweight types that hung from one of those little A-frame contractions. You know, like a king's a kid's swing set. Your kid's got a uh, swing set, Java, out in the backyard. We used to have one <laughs> until it got so wobbly. But anyway, it was fast moving. Kind of friendly. And when you said it, it went yank, 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 yank. It was not fun at all. Uh, fast moving, it wobbled. But my dad's swing, on the other hand, was really heavy. It was easy to get into, easy to get out of with anybody spilling their drink. And I asked him one time what made his swing so smooth and easy and slow. And he pondered a little bit and stated in this professorial manner uh, Are you ready for this, Java? Lay it on me. <laughs> He said, it's not just the mass or the weight of a swing. He said, it's about, quote, the period of the arc is proportional to the radius of the circle, end quote. And, yeah. you, and you were how old when he explained this to you? <laughs> I, 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 was a, I was a grown man. But what he was saying, his swing was slower and steadier because, to paraphrase Dad, the longer the chain, the slower the swing. Ah, okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, if you're on a nice, relaxing thing where you can just sit in it and just nod your head and it goes back and forth, you can go sideways, back and forth, where people can sit in it without it wobbling, you got to have a long chain. The, every foot you put of that chain, the more relaxing this thing gets. But I want to throw in one extra little thing before we go to our next caller. I went online a couple of years ago, and I bought a pair of what they call swing springs. I'm not making this up. They're heavy-duty springs. You can just about put your your hand around them, you know, and they're they're, they're really pretty uh, steel. And you put them somewhere on your chain, and when you sit in it, it has a little bounce to it. It's not hard sit down. And when you get in and out of it, it's got a little bit of a bounce of it. It just makes you want to nod your head and smile. So if anybody's got a swing, they want to make the most of it. The longer the chain, the slower the swing. Go online and look for a pair of spring swings see if that uh, excuse me swing springs now is that a question anybody has ever asked us java not at all there we go that's what i'm here for anyway let's let's go up to boonville and talk with bill bill how you doing this morning hey i got a couple of issues if i can address my first one i've had a continuing battle with nostoc the jelly-like fungus or uh, algae that's in the yard it's primarily, uh, yeah, mostly in the, my crusher run or limestone driveway uh, and yep, in, the yep. edge, in the yard. It doesn't get up in the yard as much. When it does, sometimes then the grasses will eventually choke it down. But is there any new right. product or any 
recommend to get rid of Nostock. No, and, and uh, for, for other folks who are listening, Nostock, N-O-S-T-O-C, is uh, sort of the technical word for basically it's just a, a nasty mass of, it's not, it's algae, it's just nasty green stuff. It's dark green, and when it dries up, it just dries into to black crust, and when it gets wet again, it turns into nasty, foul, slimy stuff again. Uh, and there are some things that will kill an existing uh, 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 mass of it, but it's going to come right back. So nostoc is almost always a result of growing conditions. That air is staying a little extra wet or something like that. Now, you know, you can mix up some Clorox in water. And wet it down with as long as you don't get on your grass, it could be okay. But you know that'll that'll dry it out real quick, and it'll kill it. You may have to do this, you know, every year or so. But that's the only thing I know. There's no need to use a fungicide because this is is not a fungus. So uh, chlorine chlorine bleach and water, that's about your best bet. But you know, in the long run, most experts say you're going to need to to find out why is it keep coming back there. Probably stays a little bit too wet, a little bit longer. Than it should after a good rain. So, but nothing else we can do, man. It's a real, it, it's not real common, but a lot of people have this. All right, yeah. One one product I found that does fairly well is Scythe, S C Y T H E, perlagoric acid. That does pretty good. But you got to get it on when it's a little bit wet, uh, or when the you know it's turned into the jelly, the the transition phase. Yeah. When it's solid, dry, it's- and crusty, it won't absorb it. That's right, but this stuff, but it keeps coming back anyway, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I just we got low <laughs> drainage, keep, keeps damper pretty wet all the time. That, all right, that, that, yeah, that, yeah, that, that's the problem. The nostoc is a symptom. You know, the, yeah, the low yeah. wet area. That's the problem. Anyway, what what else you got? All right, I got a big old magnolia tree that has never been pruned or you know, I've let I've never cleaned underneath it. And, it's got so big that uh, the limbs on the bottom part of the tree have grown to the ground, touched the ground, and a, a large circle, probably 20, 20 feet around. And then I look yeah. in there, and I've got all the sprouts that have come up and new little trees growing. I was going right. to try to prune or get in there and clean the so – I've read some to clean underneath there and some to leave those leaves to hold the moisture and uh, uh, the time of year to do that, uh, pruning on a magnolia. Okay, and this is a this is a an age old problem. Ever since we, you know, I mean, the, the magnolias have always done this. Uh, what they did there's there's a, a an antebellum house in Jackson in my neighborhood where they have you know civic meetings and stuff like that. They actually cleaned up up under. You know, I worked with a landscape architect, and we spread chip marble up under there so we could blow it, and we put seating up under there, and they turn it to a place where people can get out of the out of the sun and actually meet under this big old tree. You can those uh, those stems that are growing straight up the suckers off of the the roots. Some of those are actually seedlings that are grown from seeds that dropped on the ground. You can cut those off without any problem. But as far as cleaning up under it, as soon as you finish, more are going to start falling. This is just the nature of the beast. So uh, you don't have to prune a magnolia. If you do, and you make it where you can see all that stuff, your your choice is either constantly keep it clean or just learn to live with it. Put a sign saying, warning, magnolia leaf fall area or something like that. There's no way to, in other words, they're, they're just going to beat that part of the tree. And if you want to clean it up, it's going to be a, 
you know, Google the, uh, the, the ancient king called Sisyphus, who was doomed to roll a rock up a mountain just to watch it roll back down over and over and over, endless, ceaseless toil. So I would just learn to live with it. Maybe put you some aspidistra up under there or some monkey grass here and there. Just to have something besides the leaves on the ground. But there's, if you, if you limit up, you're going to be looking at it all the time. All right, the thing has really gotten large over the 20, last yeah. 20, 25 years. I probably that's what, that's get what they do. Try to get up in there uh, and, and prune the whole tree or trim the whole, you know, take 10 feet or 15 feet off of the top and cut down the whole uh, or trim down all, the whole all the, tree. All, all, Okay, you, first of all, you can do that. You can do that, but all it's going to do is booger up the tree, and everybody sees that. They're going to think less of you, even though it's okay to do that. It's okay to prune it like you would a, a hedge or shrub, but the best thing to do is just to go with that flow, and if you can't go with the flow, just cut the tree down. It's not a sin or anything. It's not against the law in Mississippi, and put something else out there, but you know, when you start, once you start pruning on, on magnolia, it becomes a never-ending Try to balance it out, make it look right. Now, if you decide to cut some limbs off or some branches off the limbs, don't leave a stub. What if you cut off, cut flush right where it started to grow so it doesn't sprout back out? But once you start topping a magnolia tree, it's going to be boogered up for the rest of your life, and it's going to keep on going way after you're gone. And people are going to still remember the guy that boogered up his tree. <laughs> yeah, well, it got him the ice storm '94 and the took the whole top out of it so it really looked yeah. good for a while it has grown back now and the new sprouts from the old uh stubs have gone higher and higher and it looks normal yeah but it's getting yeah. too big and leaves. i was uh well but if see, i did that's, want that's to just cut it. some of the limbs that's just if i did want to cut some of the limbs and prune or tr- trim back does it matter what time of year is south up or down or no. fall no. or spring no. or summer it doesn't matter it's it's better to do it in the spring or summer because then it has a chance to kind of heal over a little bit before before fall. But you can do it if you're cutting stuff off as if it were never there, no stubs. You can do that any time of the year. But just keep in mind, don't leave stubs, and uh, and also just 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 look at think about the tree as being characterful because there's no way to keep a magnolia. It's supposed to be big. That's what it wants. That's just inscape. That's what it wants to do. So you're basically just going to have to, it's like shaving. You have to do it all the time. Uh, uh, yeah. But just let it be a big old bushy beard. Good deal. Uh, you, can do it. If- you, you can do it anytime you want to, though. And, uh, but don't tell anybody I said to. <laughs> you got it. I appreciate it so okay. much. Thank you for wonderful advice. You better be. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Uh, before we go this call, Java, uh, speaking about garden swings and all, you know, I've got a garden blog, and I, I post something. A lot of people blog every day or every week or whatever. I do something every three or four months. I just did a garden blog on garden seating, all different kinds of seats and chairs and benches, some incredible ones, some really, really weird ones that I've seen all over the place, all over the world. And I just did a blog on that. And it, uh, she got some really interesting ideas, some historic stuff, some antique stuff, some funky stuff, some homemade stuff. Anyway, if you're interested in garden seating, I just want to see some some funky pictures of garden seating. Go to felderrushing.blog, scroll down, and it's the latest blog. It says, uh, I forget what it's called, garden seating or something like that. Uh, also, it has a, 
a, a little big button there that says email me. So if you have any gardening questions during the week, just go to fellowrushing.blog, click on email me, and we'll take it from there. I do that a lot of times every single day. Meanwhile, let's slide over to Neeshoba County to Philadelphia. Good morning, Nancy. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing better than I deserve. How about yourself? <laughs> so far, so good. So far, so good. I've been sitting here yeah. in my swing, just a swing, and thinking about the Shelby County Fair because we, <laughs> we, can't get those, we can't get those long chains on those short porches. <laughs> but no, but I tell I you what, you, 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 no, 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 you need to go online and go to Amazon someplace and get you a pair of swing springs. They are I heard magic. Them about that. They're, they're, they're magic. And if you go to my blog, I got a picture of them on my, my latest blog about garden seats. They're, they're so cool. You'll be a hero of the of, of the whole place. People will be well, coming over uh, to sit in your swing. I need, I need, no, I need to be a hero, but I have a wildlife <laughs> place for gardening. Okay. Okay, I live two blocks from the county courthouse. Yeah. Beautiful garden in my backyard. Leave town, come back, and this ate down. The deer have consumed my garden. So I'm growing uh, my winter harvest to, to eat deer. But my question is, is how, if you have any suggestions to keep them at bay? There, There is, and keep in mind, I work with people who manage botanic gardens. I work with home gardeners. I garden myself. My son, who's going to decide what old folks home I'm going to, everybody I work with and, and deal with who had deer, there's only one good solution, and that's a fence. It doesn't have to be a fancy fence. They have deer netting. You can buy this lightweight stuff. You put it, you stretch it across. Uh, matter of fact, if you're mowing the grass, you'll forget about it, and it'll snag you in the face. But deer netting or any kind of fencing is the only surefire okay. control deer. And I, I've heard it all. Yeah. I've heard everything. That's the only thing we know works. I've used some bird netting, but it was a little late, especially on my watermelon. No, 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 no. This is stuff, this is stuff you... No, you, you put posts around... Uh, this is like a... It's like big bird okay. netting. Big enough to keep... It's almost like dog fencing, except it's real lightweight uh, plastic mesh. And it sort of disappears. They use these in botanic gardens, and people from a few yards away can't even see it. But it's a special deer netting. It's a fencing. Okay. It's deer fencing. And uh, that or any kind of fence. But every everything you hear about spray this, you know, coyote urine, put some Dawn soap out there, wh- whatever. The only thing Human that people hair do or motion detectors, water spray. I, I've heard it. I, I, I've, heard, I've heard it all. I've heard. And they work sometimes for some people but the people who do this for a living we all agree fence is the only surefire control for deer that's it that's it Uh, you know in europe i live in england part of the year and you go around all these fancy estates and all they all have deer fencing up because they have deer everywhere just like in mississippi so anyway that's the only surefire control and that deer netting Uh uh, deer fencing is pretty inexpensive all right, dear. Well, I sure appreciate your suggestion. I work on that for fall har- harvest of turnip greens and collards and all that good stuff. Thanks Sooner or later, Hey, get get a pair of those those swing springs and uh, let me know how they work. Okay, I will. Thank you, dear. Okay. Have a good day. Appreciate Bye-bye. it, man.
Okay, uh, John, before we get into this phone call, let me, let me assure folks I've heard about the human hair and the Irish Spring soap and the coyote urine and the, the motion-detected uh, sprinklers and the dogs. I've heard it all, and they all work for some people. But if I say do this or do that, the other, everybody I know and respect is going to be felder. You should have just said fence because that's what works. Anyway, sorry about that. Hey, let's slide up to the extreme northeastern corner, that what I call the icebox in Mississippi, and to Corinth. Talk with Jay. Jay, you getting enough rain? Uh, yeah, we have got three. <laughs> good, good. Um, but yep. now I've got to tell you, Felder, I've been around listening to you for a long time. I remember yeah. Dr. Dirt. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. I just and I wrote a whole book about him. Did you? Did you? Yeah, it's, well, Mar- Ma- it's called Maverick Maverick Gardeners. It's published by Mi- University of Mississippi Press. Uh, excuse well, me, was- Mississippi Press. Uh oh, I've forgotten the name of my own publisher. It's right there. It's right there in the same bill. Anyway, Maverick Gardeners. So anyway, what you got going on today, Jay? Well couple things because I was just going to brag that I have become the queen of rooting gardenias because of you and Dr. Dirt. (laughs) I have given away more gardenias and thought that the one I had in the windowsill was going to be it because of the weather we had this year. Thought I had Uh lost my big gardenia bush back behind my shop. But guess what? It's coming back. I didn't mess with it, and that thing is going crazy again. Did it, it come back from the roots or up high? I, it's coming back up high. It, it never got brittle, so I just yeah. let it alone. And now it's got leaves coming out. It started at the bottom with leaves, and now it's just coming all the way up uh, the stalks and everything on it. Okay, I'm hoping by fall to get a few blossoms out of it again. <laughs> you, you you should because uh, you know a lot of, they, they bloom on new growth. I showed uh, a neighborhood's kid, guy down down the street named Duke. His son's name was D D E E S, and D's a grown man now. But when he was a kid, I showed him how to root gardenias in water. You know, you can just take little short cuttings, and then have roots in three weeks this time of year. And uh, I went off on a on a trip one time, and I came back, and he had cut my entire bush to the ground. He must have had three or four dozen rooted cuttings, and he was selling them to the neighbors for a dollar a piece. And I'm thinking, you go, boy, you go. Well, I do it off the blossoms because that's what y'all were saying. It's just when the blossom di- dies off, you know, after you cut it, when the blossom dies off, just pop it. But to put it in a container that's about the color of an old Coke bottle. And yeah, so there you go. I've, and I went to Dollar Tree and I found me some colored up bottles and boy, I'm going crazy with them. <laughs> <laughs> And did, did, is yours normally is a real fragrant? Because, you know, a lot of gardenias aren't as fragrant as some of the old-fashioned ones. Does yours smell really good? Yes. Um, I lived That's in Jackson way. for a while, and I lived off of Old Kenton and Ridgewood Road. And um, yeah. it, I, it, that house had gardenia, camellia. Down the one side of the house, it was a gardenia, camellia, gardenia, camellia. And, oh, wow. it was wonderful. 
wonderful when you could open the windows and smell all that. <laughs> it was just happening. Well, it's a, it is a classic southern garden plant. Our people, our friends up north have lilacs. Yeah, but we got crepe myrtles and gardenias, so they can keep their lilacs. Anyway, I, I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you so much, Jay. Well, can I ask you another thing? Um, sure. Um, not flags. Uh, yeah, iris. When is the best time to move those? I have a whole bunch of them. I've got. I'm on land that was an old farmstead, and where the old house uh. used to be. When I bought the place, there were a few of these very pale yellow um, iris under a big oak right. tree. And they right. had spread, and I'd like to move them um, maybe along the road because I'm on a hill and put it in the yeah. hill. But I don't want to move them yeah. when I'm not supposed to because I sure don't want to lose them. Well, the, the, I, there's two answers to that. Uh, first of all, the ideal time to move them is in the wintertime. That's the ideal time. Uh, but at the same time, iris and daylilies and cannas are about the only plants you can move them any day of the week, anytime you feel like it. And it doesn't, it's not always sure. pleasant for us out there. But if you'll go ahead and work the dirt up where you're going to move them to first, because that's a hard part, get get it worked up uh-huh. to it, maybe mulch it. Then when you get that done, after you get over doing that, you can you can do, divide them and, and move them. Here's the deal, though. Irises like to have the top of that rhizome baking in the sun. You don't want to plant up deep. Uh, okay. And so if you if if you dig them up and move them and plant them shallow, they tend to fall over. So that's the reason people cut them into little fan shapes. So if you're going to move them and they keep flopping over, just cut the leaves in a fan shape. But the main thing is put them on top of the ground, put the roots in the dirt, but leave the top of that rhizome baking the sun anytime after you've already done your 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 digging your dirt. So that's the hard part. Okay. And one more question. I have mm-hmm. a year. So when I first bought my place, I moved some actual boxwood from my shop out to here. They're huge. I guess because of the weather we had this winter, I got Uh, it. They started in the spring coming out beautiful and green, shooting out new shoots, and now they're turning brown on me. Yeah, there's a uh, you know I, I work with historic landscapes all the way into Virginia and the Carolinas, and they have problems with this too. Uh, most of the botanic garden, if you go up to uh, like the Memphis Botanic Garden or someplace like, they always have an area back behind all the working areas with replacement boxwoods because they're so used to having to replace boxwoods from time to time. They're popular plants, but unless you got perfect soil, they tend to get stressed that doesn't show up. Immediately, it shows up when another stress comes along. Typically, that's when it gets really, really hot, maybe dry, or a lot of rain. We have diseases and all, but usually uh, when they start browning out in the summertime, it's because they're already under some kind of stress. And the only really recommendation I can make would be to prune them back really pretty hard. You can cut a, a boxwood back just like any other shrub. It's just going to take a little bit longer to sprout back out, but it will sprout out. And so if you need to prune them pretty hard, this is the month to do it, before the middle of August, so they have time for the new growth to come out, toughen up before winter. You just made my day, because they have gotten so tall that they, I had trimmed them into almost a Christmas tree shape and was yep. so tickled by the way they were going. And then this happened, and I thought, oh, man, so I can prune about what, about a foot from the ground maybe? 
Well, you can cut as far back as you want. You know, the, my yard, I've got kind of a, my yard, I, I could, I wouldn't be allowed to live in a lot of places because I've got kind of a, a Dr. Dirt kind of wild looking yard. It's, it's just <laughs> crazy looking to some people, but it's okay for me. Uh, the only tightly pruned bush I've got in my whole entire yard is a boxwood right in the middle just to show people I know what to do. I don't cut my hair, but I, I trim that boxwood. And about three years ago, I cut it back to where it was just nothing but just bare stems. But I cut it in a ball shape or a cone shape, whatever. You know, cut it in the shape you want. But just keep in mind, it's going to take five or six weeks for that new growth to come out, and you're going to be questioning your sanity before it happens. So if you're going to do it, let's do it pretty soon. Whether you want to cut it to a foot or, or not, it uh, doesn't matter. The further back you cut it, the longer it takes to come back out. That's the only consideration. Well, I don't mind it taking a while, but I'd just like to see it come back, and then that way I can keep it trimmed exactly the way I want it. Wonderful. Right, Thank right. You. Oh, let me, uh, while we were talking, let me give you another quick tip. If you're going to move some iris and you want to cut it back, you can take uh, metal coat hangers and cut them into, like, straight sticks a foot or so long, and then curve the top of it over like a shepherd's crook and use those to sort of pin the new rhizomes in place. You know, make just a little, you know, just just a piece of wire bent over the top and sort of pin them into place, and I'll keep them flopping over, too. Okay, wonderful. Wonderful. All righty. Thank you so Appreciate much. Appreciate you. You bet, Jay. Thank you so much. And wonderful talking to you after all these years of listening to you. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank. You. Hope you weren't expecting me to be tall and smart, but appreciate your call. And uh, and Java, thank you for that. It is University Press of Mississippi. Yes, <laughs> our next door, I mean, our actual next door neighbors, right here at MPB. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but what, one of our uh, one of our producers' husband is a uh, executive director. Anyway, University Press of Mississippi. The book is called Maverick Gardeners. Dr. Dirt and other determined independent gardeners. It's about people who, who color outside the lines and they're okay with it. It's about the spirit of gardening the way you want to. It's called Maverick Gardeners. Anyway, University Press of Mississippi. Um, folks, we've got some lines open if you want to give us a call. We've got a time to, to take another couple of calls, and, and now's a good chance. Toll free one eight seven seven mpb ring Yeah, Felder, we just got uh, one, of, uh, one of these calls. I know we're running close on the end of the show, so let's go ahead and talk with uh, Ron, and I believe this is uh, Shaco, Mississippi. Do I have that correct? Shaco, you? Yeah. Hey, Ron, what's up, man? Oh, I got in a little discussion with a a young lady, and I told her I think I know where some wild orchids are, and she told me that orchids don't grow wild in Mississippi. <laughs> well, she's just an ignorant young thing, ain't she? Uh, I wasn't gonna tell her that. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell. Matter of fact, actually, we have quite a few wild orchids. And I took some pictures not too long ago of one that's called lady tresses. They're called spiranthes. They come up straight out of the ground, little, little uh, thin, almost like a like a big uh, pipe planter. Well, nobody's old enough to remember what pipe planters are, but long, skinny thing. And the flowers are in a spiral around the stem. We also have uh, just incredible orchids out in the woods. But we have plenty of terrestrial. They're not the tree orchids. They're terrestrial orchids. They they live in the ground. But yeah, we got orchids here. There's one I saw, or I think I saw it. I mean, I think it's an orchid. 
it, it, it has a lot of, not a lot of foliage, but the foliage it has are kind of like long leaves or whatever you call them that are similar to a lily. Yeah, foliage. yeah. Yeah. yeah, we 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 have some, we have some lizard orchid life, but we have some incredible orchids out there. The reason you don't see a lot of them is because if you could see them, Aunt Mamie saw them and Aunt Mamie dug them all up. But if you go over the next hill, there they are. There okay. they are. We, we, have, we have quite a few. You bet. And don't tell her what I said. I'm trying to be nice. I I, I take that back. Well, Felder, I I don't think ignorant is not a derogatory term. You know, a lot of times you just do yeah. not know. You just do not know. <laughs> ignorant means you don't know. Stupid is you can't learn. But ignorant just means you know. And I am ignorant on a lot of stuff. I learn stuff every week, and I sort of get a thrill out of it. I get a thrill when I had smack myself in the head and said, I should have known that. But that's okay. We're not know-it-alls here. Now, Felder, why, if I could ask the question, why would she think yeah. uh, orchids, wild orchids wouldn't grow here or, you know, they didn't grow in the wild? Well, it's because, you know, most people think orchids, you think of, you know, the, the big fancy ones you get at the floor shop and they grow in greenhouses. The really big, showy, tropical orchids that grow all up in the trees, you know, with, with uh, the lemurs leaping around and all that kind of stuff. A lot of people just don't know. You know, but we have some. Tr- I was in a cemetery in Jackson, Mississippi, Greenwood Cemetery. Back in the back, they have a whole bunch of ladies' dresses orchids. They're not showy. They're long, skinny uh, stems with these pretty little white orchids, and they spiral around the stem. Ladies' dresses, and we've got some some nice big ones out there in the woods too. But anyway, a lot of people just don't know because they confuse it with uh, the showy stuff. You know, the the stuff that you make a a bouquet out of. That's all it is. I mean, this, this, I, I can't even. I need to do a, an article sometime on all of the stupid stuff that I learned that I should have known. <laughs> now that's well. That make a they that may make a nice uh, blog post, Felder. They may be your next blog post. Uh, yep. Well, there's there's a lot of it. There's plenty there. So anyway, man, I've had a pretty good time today. We've been yakking and talking and stuff, and and uh, I threw out that little thing about the. Uh, period of the arc is proportional to the radius of the circle in case you want to have a nice long slow swing and uh and by the way mathematic people i know the speed is the same we're not talking about the speed it goes we're talking about how long it takes to get from one spot to the other so don't want to get into mathematics stuff because my dad made my eyes bleed with that kind of stuff but anyway me and java and uh all the other folks at mtv we enjoy talking with y'all. If there's some things we can help you with, give us a call. Send us an email because we want to help everybody get the most out of their lives and quality life in gardens. When it comes to gardening, really hot right now, but it's a good time to do some stuff. We'll talk about it every week. We'll be here next Friday and Saturday talking about it too. But meanwhile, if you get a chance, go to a farmer's market and meet somebody who does it for a living. And uh, if you want to give it a try, it's not hard. Hey, even kids know that they can do what we do best, and that's get dirty. Y'all have a good time. See you next week. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Thank you.